Welcome to Bloody Mary, a podcast discussing horror movies through the lens of sexuality and feminism. I'm your host, Chicago comic Kristen Ryan, and with us today we have Kelsey Hoff, creator of The Cates. Hello! Hello! So, Kelsey, uh, what is your take on horror movies in general? I mentioned earlier that this is my favorite genre. It is, um, they've scarred me terribly. <laughs> so, I, uh, I stay away from them. When I was a kid, uh, I had an aunt who would hold uh, slumber parties for all of my billion of co- billions of cousins. Mm-hmm. And she loved horror movies, so she would let us watch them over and over and over. And I was the kid who eventually had to be locked in the other room while the <laughs> horror movies happened because I would just have nightmares for days and my imagination would go nuts. So um, they terrify me and have scarred me for life is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> and actually watching this movie that we talked about, it still scared me. Like re-watching for this podcast, I was like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what, do you remember the first horror movie that you ever saw? You know, I actually don't. My family loves to tease me about the first horror movie I saw. So it was the Twilight Zone movie. Oh. And it was the classic, like the gremlin crawling on the airplane kind of thing. I think it was with the John Lithgow. I can't even remember. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I guess when it happened, after the like credits rolled, I was just in shock, just streaming, silently crying as a child. Oh, I know. And then I closed my eyes and said, I can't get it out of my head. I can't get it out of my head. And I laughed and laughed. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it. But yeah, that's the first one. And then Silver Bullet was the next one that terrified me. Oh, forever. that's the werewolf movie, yeah, right? Which okay. I was debating about doing Silver Bullet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that one, oosh, that the, one got me big time. That much. is a scary one, too. Yeah. Even the VHS box of a Freddy Krueger movie, just the box, not the movie, oh. terrified me. <laughs> like, I don't know, it was like a, tr- like a tricycle or like he, he was a snake eating somebody. I don't know. It was terrifying, and so I couldn't sleep for days because of the the box, the, the marketing. No, that is interesting. Like the box scared you because for me it was the theme song for Jaws that oh, terrified yes. me. Also, the Twilight Zone that you brought that up. Uh, my mother had a great habit of like whenever she wanted me to go away, uh, would like do that or from Jaws the dun dun dun, and it would just freak me out. <laughs> like so it's just musical. It just notes notes get you i guess so yeah i'm terrified by music that was your mom's way to be like i need some me time (laughs) get out of here Kristen. and it was entirely effective where did you go did you just run away i would just like blindly run away (laughs) screaming out into the night just running into walls oh yeah oh yeah so like sounds like we were raised by people who uh didn't know the impact of horror movies. Yeah, or just thought it was hilarious <laughs> yeah. to scare children. <laughs> oh, the, you know what? This is not a movie, but this is just like no, adults gone wrong. Like my grandma used to take out her dentures. Oh, Jesus. And scare us um, during horror movies. <laughs> yeah, so that we watched the movie and she'd be like, with all this like gummy spit. Oh, it's horrifying. Oh, Jesus. Scariest, scariest shot of all. Grandma's gums. This podcast just talks about how much we're terrified of our families. <laughs> It's not about the movies at all. <laughs> not the movies at all. Deep yeah. psychological drama. Yeah. So Kelsey chose to, uh, for us to watch Jaws. And of course, that's uh, the tale of a gigantic great white shark that menaces a small island community of Amity. Uh, and a police chief, a marine scientist, and a grizzled fisherman set out to stop this shark. It's a good grizzled fisherman you just did. Hey, thank you. I try. <laughs> He whipped out the palm oils for that. Yeah, he was my favorite character. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so why Jaws? What made you choose Jaws? Well, I was oh, I was so torn because I figured like, oh, eye roll, eye roll. It's like so obvious. But it, I mean, it messed me up. Mm-hmm. I figured if this is something, if I'm going to be honest and truthful, Steven Spielberg, man, I, I don't go in the ocean to this day because of that movie. Like, I am horrified. The, five, the first five minutes of this movie made me not believe in God anymore. <laughs> oh, I, mean, like, I had an existential crisis as a six-year-old when that poor was Chrissy, I think was her yeah. name, she went out there and she asked for God to save her and he did not. He did not. He no. just let her go. I was like, that, that's not supposed to happen. That's for sure not supposed to happen. Yeah. Uh, messed me up big yeah. time. So I think uh, that and then the, the first half of the movie, as a kid, I didn't really understand why I was so frustrated. Um, but the idea of like no one believing that it actually existed, it just drove me insane. I didn't have like the communication to understand why. So I was afraid mm-hmm. of the monster. I was afraid of the unknown. And, the, and then, then the second 
10 minutes of the movie or whatever, they just kill a dog and a kid. I mean, they do not mess yeah, around. They, <laughs> they <laughs> knock them off pretty quick. Yeah, they just do 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 do. Um, uh, yeah, and then the second half, you know, of the movie as a, as a kid, I, I think I kind of liked it a little more, you know, just like the classic adventure stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I picked Jaws um, because it messes me up and I still can't, I can't even look at the ocean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why. Admittedly, when you mentioned that you wanted to do Jaws, my first thought was, is that a horror movie? I don't know. And then as soon as I put it in and heard that song, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. What? Is it the song and isn't like the unknown and like you don't see the monster? I feel like even though it is not maybe, I don't know. I watched it again for research because I'm, I'm a professional podcaster. <laughs> I was still terrified with my cynical self, you know, because I thought maybe, uh, no. I was, I had to like turn it down because the screams and the, and the music and the point of view of the shark. Yeah. When they go down as the point of view of the shark, I'm like, no, I'm out. Yeah. It's a lot to take yeah. in. And also the use of silence in the film is oh, really huge. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially, uh, I notice it especially, I don't want to like, jump around, but at the end mm-hmm. where your favorite character finally gets it, there is no, no music, mm-hmm. nothing. And that makes it more horrifying. It yeah. makes it more real and more, oh, it, it's. Oh, God. I See, I can't even make sense. Yeah, it's like no distractions. We want you to take this all in. Yeah, and even like you could just hear the, how you, just like the tiny crash of the waves, you know, like Mm -hmm. that weird contrast of like, uh, you know, sort of this soothing melody of the ocean and making it terrifying all (laughs) at the same time. Definitely. And also that first scene of Jaws where we have, uh, you know, it opens on sexy co-eds and then Chrissy running to go swimming. I'm like, oh yeah, this is a horror movie. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. (laughs) Classic blonde people getting their comeuppance. How dare they? How dare they drink and want to have sex? Yeah. Bunch of crap. Terrible teens. Terrible teens. Terrible. Yeah, a pretty obvious though. I love the, the the boy in it, the blonde boy. Such a so like you know, he's like running down, he like can't take his clothes yeah. off. I'm a helpless drunk dude. Yeah, it was very yeah. much the portrayal of like the siren drawing you in. Yeah. And then yeah. yeah. He's and just then the a siren stupid gets guy. It. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no fair. Um but yeah, that and like um even the sound, you know, like the dinging bell of the buoy and all that stuff, like when she's holding on to it. Mm. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I guess to like make that scene look realistic, they tied two ropes to the bottom of her feet, and so this poor actress was like being pulled by ropes yeah. to make it look realistic. And this part, I did not do my research, so I could be totally wrong. This could be an urban legend that is false. But didn't she, didn't someone she got really hurt during that thing? I I thought I read somewhere, but maybe that's a lie. I didn't read it, but I imagine <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're just getting yanked on it's the, the seventies, you know. <laughs> What are they going to do? How are we going to make this realistic? I don't know. Put uh, ropes on her. Yeah, just drown her. No big deal. <laughs> it's another blonde actress. Yeah. You've got oh, a ton man. of them. Yeah, I, uh, I think that could be very realistic. Yeah. I'm not sure, though. I thought. I thought so. And just the non-seeing. That, that, that is something. I know that everybody talks about it, but it is like, you know, I feel like in movies sometimes now you see the monster a little too soon or whatever. And mm-hmm. I love that you do not see it. You don't see anything. Yeah. That makes it creepy. So, yeah. I totally agree. Any movie that leaves you to your own imagination is way more terrifying. And actually, in Jaws, we don't see the shark until, I think it's like an hour and 21 minutes in, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, that's a long time to wonder. Right, right. Just that point of view shot, even at the beginning. And I feel like that's so great. I love that when they go, you know, I know it seems like so cliche now because you're always going in and out, but just him or her going I think it is a her because in the mm-hmm. sequel you know oh, she yeah. has babies spoilers that, I, know, yeah, I, know, I know it's like 1975 I don't know if you've seen it there are a couple more um, but yeah so 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 creepy and I think when do you actually see the full thing like when they attack um, the guy in the boat when you see sort of like half of her yeah I think that's just half Agnes. Yeah. I think you don't see the full shot until all three of them are on the orca mm-hmm. later on yeah, and was that, and I don't even know if this is, again, another urban legend, but that it was so, that it didn't look great. Like, the robot itself, they didn't love it. Yeah. So, which I feel like is so fascinating with horror movies, or movies in general, when, like, their budget limitations actually makes their movie so, so much better. Yeah, wonder, and actually, the, the first model they made of the shark I was reading, they didn't test it in water, so when they put it in, it just <laughs> sank to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Wait, what if it's still there? Oh, How terrifying would that be? That's why you don't go in the ocean, you guys. Oh. Steven Spielberg's always there. Robot sharks. Robot sharks. <laughs> yeah, scary, scary. And yeah, I feel like when I rewatched it for this, 
there was a couple things that like I obviously didn't notice as a child because I was uh, just filled with horror. But as a lady, mm. uh, oh, the wife. They did no. not give her anything to do. Did they not? She's was, not a person. She's not a person. <laughs> she uh, massages shoulders, holds babies, pours drinks, and then cries. She's a waitress with yeah. emotions. With, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then she gets to be in a hospital in a bathing suit. So I don't know. <laughs> It's a one piece, so, you know. It's go important live. to always look good. Uh, yeah, I guess in the book, Brody, or no, um, Hooper and Mrs. Brody had an affair, which might have given her character more Something depth. Something to do, yeah. I don't know, in some way. But you're definitely right. Uh, in the film, she is pretty much just uh, a fixture. Like, yeah. <laughs> nothing with any emotions or feelings. Or, or even like that, there's <clears> one <throat> point where, like, they get to sit down at the table before they go and they cut open the the false shark that they mm-hmm. that the townspeople slaughtered. Um, well, she's actually allowed to sit at the table, and I was like, "Well, good on you. At least you get to sit. <laughs> you get to sit with the men folk. Um, you know what I mean? And then even at the end, when she like tries to call him just to be like, "Hey, how's it going out there?" Mm-hmm. The Robert Shaw's like, "He's fine. Click. Like, yeah. just didn't want her speak. Yeah, I was a." Uh, Oh, frustrating. Yeah, definitely. As an adult woman watching that is like, hmm, well, mm-hmm. I guess we don't know anything about sharks, do we? Yeah. <laughs> no. Just leave it to the men. Maybe. <laughs> Fins? What are those? I need to clean and do my hair. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bonkers. Um, so that was rather, rather irritating. However, I have to say, mm-hmm. like the first half of the movie, the, the, the lady who stole the show acting-wise, I thought was the... Uh, the mom of the the boy victim. Mm-hmm. There was that moment too, where it's like a really indie seventies mm-hmm. movie, where it's like you're you're you. There's consequences to these actions, and uh, I really liked I really liked her, like how uh, she was subtle and poignant. I liked her. Yeah, I thought she had a very strong scene, especially uh, on the beach when everyone is claiming their children, mm-hmm. and then she's calling her son's name, and he's not coming. Uh, I thought that was really strong, yeah, and powerful. And I think that um, sometimes I miss those moments in. And I guess all I'm thinking of, like, blockbuster horror, and, like, I'm not someone who, like, goes, and I don't, I've never seen a Saw. I don't mm-hmm. see, like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm those. not big on the gore. Yeah, the gore, yeah, but I'm assuming, and I could be totally wrong here, that those moments are skipped upon. Oh, yeah. And those moments are what I feel like, if I'm connected emotionally to something and you can scare me, that is, like, a deeper horror, mm-hmm. you know? And I think those little moments are, are pretty key, especially, too, with the mayor. At the end, when he finally, you know, gives up on capitalism and believes someone... <laughs> When he's like, you know, my son was there too. My kids were there too. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a moment where he, you know, you give humanity to even like your villain. Uh, I like, I, I dug that. I dug that, uh, those little moments. Yeah. And I thought that moment with the mayor was very telling because no one, it, it does seem like in our society, no one gives a shit about something until it actually affects them. Absolutely. So when he had that moment of realization, like my son was in the water, it was like, oh yeah, it could have affected your family. Right, right. And now you care. I okay. know, which is like, I was listening to a podcast, I can't remember, but like, you know, you say with racists, right? The only time that they like people in war, mm-hmm. like, oh, someone of another race actually saved my life. Yeah. Oh, that's all it took. That's all it takes. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's it? <laughs> well, yeah, those moments. But I thought they did it. Uh, in a way where it like humanized the man, even though he was completely fallen, uh, flawed mm-hmm. rather. And another thing that I thought was the most horrifying as an adult lady, when uh, when Roy Scheider, I can't remember his actual character name, oh my gosh, when he finally is trying, he, he first realizes it, right? He sees Chrissy and all the crabs are eating her and mm-hmm. he's like, oh, get the signs out. We got to shut the beach down. Mm-hmm. And all the old white men follow him on the ferry and like tell him what to do. I'm like, that's the most horrifying part of the film. Oh yeah. Like a group of all white guys telling you, like, no, you better shut your mouth. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah, I actually, it made me really like Brody, Sheriff Brody's character, uh, because there were so many points in the film where his masculinity and his authority were put in check and questioned by these people, Mm -hmm. you know, like, for some reason, it was like, he didn't like swimming, so they teased him about that, he couldn't tie a knot, and then at that community meeting, like, everyone is just losing their shit and getting so loud, and he's just, like, a deer in headlights. Like, they, the film portrays him as, like, oh, God, what do I do? And that's when Quint, like, seizes the moment of power to take authority. Such a great intro to a character, oh God, too. Yeah. Like, just the scratching <laughs> of the chalkboard. And he just drew a giant shark on the chalkboard. You're, like, real subtle. subtle real subtle there, bro. But even him, like, this is a wonderful thing that, I mean, he won't even, he's not called to action, either 
until there's money. Mm -hmm. I didn't put any of these like capitalist or whatever, like the status quo things Mm -hmm. together until I was rewatching it for this podcast. So like even he, and he's sort of like the rustic hero, right? The Mm -hmm. lone man, the survivor of war, all of these wonderful things, but not even he can, can get past the money. Like he's not going to do anything, you know? Like that's why I loved the, the Richard Dreyfuss and and, and the Roy uh, characters. What I can't remember their names. You're saying Brody. Uh, Hooper was Dreyfuss. Right. Hooper. Yeah. Why is that so hard for me to Which remember? I love when he was introduced, there was this moment of, oh, thank God, the guy from the Oceanography Institute is here. Like, when has that ever been yeah, said? Yeah. <laughs> thank God, the nerd's here. Yeah, oh, thank God. Oh, he's got some books. Cute. We're going to be safe. Yeah, but that is another thing. You talk about attacking masculinity. It's like the two men who, well, at least in the movie, survive, educated Mm-hmm. And empathetic. Mm-hmm. And they just get shit on the whole <laughs> yeah. time. The whole time. And like they actually listen, you know? And they try to problem solve. And they're trying to do all these things. And they're they're the outcast. And it, that was so frustrating. Especially to the first reading part. Like, you know, the, the first victim, the lady. It's like, oh, she's just a party animal. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, her mom oh. wasn't there. They don't show any remorse for yeah, her. Yeah, no remorse whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It just drives me bats. Uh, bats. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What else did I love about this movie? Um, it's the second half. How did you feel like the second half? I feel like it's two different movies almost. Yeah, it does. Like, as soon as they get on that boat, it feels like, Mm. oh, this is something completely different now. I loved the scene, uh, where Hooper and Quint start bonding over their scars and like, yeah. And it's just, it's, it is kind of like this weird celebration of masculinity, but in that way, they're being vulnerable with each other, uh, which is something you didn't see Quint do at all before. So I really enjoyed that scene. And I also, I thought it was funny when Brody tried to get in on it. They were like, ah. He was like excluded again. (laughs) Always excluded, right? Yeah. But yeah, I love, and again, I never noticed this before. I love that he like looks down at his forearm Mm -hmm. and then silently like just puts his sleeve back up. Yeah. I'm not even... I'm not going to show him. Like, it was a weed whacker incident. <laughs> but that's so funny too. Like he was a cop in New York and they don't get into his stories, mm-hmm. which I'm sure are plentiful, you know, about, uh, you know, just horror shows and, and, and violence or whatever. But I do, I love, even as a kid, because there's something about me. Like I was, I was born an oldest girl. I was supposed to be a boy. You don't need to know all this about me. Mm-hmm. But I was always riding that line of like, to be female is weak. Try to be male. Oh yeah. If you're male, you will win. You'll get approval. You do all these things. And there was something in that scene I loved. And it was the vulnerability that I didn't know as a kid. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, you can show an underbelly and still have all these scars all over your body. And I'm someone who actually, I don't know if it's because of that movie, I love scars. Like, I have mm-hmm. scars all over my knees. I'm just like a, I mean, I had like surgeries. Anybody, time somebody has a scar, I don't know. I want to bond with them. Yeah. So maybe that's a positive thing. No, that's true. real. And especially like something you said there, like when I was younger, uh, my concept of feminism was like to be incredibly masculine and mm-hmm. like reject all things feminine. So as I got older, I've learned to understand that that's because, you know, we live in a patriarchal society and I was trying to align myself with power. Right. But now looking back, it's like, oh, masculinity doesn't exactly equal strength. You know, there can sure. be different dimensions within that. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so frustrating when you see these characters coming back to the wife. There is power in femininity that they, there was a missed opportunity there that mm-hmm. they could have showed. You know, even if you have someone who, even if you want to give her a traditional role, whatever that means, mm-hmm. there can be power there, you know? Um, and that's very frustrating to yeah. watch. To watch. And, uh, and, and also, there's this weird thing. I don't know. This is, this is the, the, fem, the kind of feminist I am. I always beat myself up for not recognizing this when I was a child. Like, how am I supposed to recognize yeah. why, this, right? Why didn't you get that when you were yeah, six, I'm Kelsey? Like, oh, you dummy. <laughs> you know, how dare you want to side with the dudes? But, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I hate that part of uh, uh, of that, that growth, that feminine growth of mm-hmm. being like, oh, that's what I love. I, I was drawn to power. I just didn't understand the, mm-hmm. different, the different levels or the different, the, the sort of the circle of power or whatever. I don't know what the circle of power is. I made that up. <laughs> You guys, uh, my next book's called The Circle of Power. <laughs> oh, dummy. Um, but yeah, I mean, the classic don't belong kind of things, right? Being mm-hmm. from New York, all that kind of stuff. Um, I super, I super love. I also hated, <laughs> they were right before the kid got it, which was terrible, Steven Spielberg. Maybe this is just like a this is just like a, a movie thing. They kept focusing on the fat lady. 
Oh There's yeah. A fat lady in the beach, like, oh, for sure, Jaws is gonna eat this. Look porker. at that tasty bite. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, look at her, delicious. And then when the kid got it, I was like, all right, I get the bait and switch. Mm-hmm. Come on, leave the fat lady alone, you guys. <laughs> leave the fat lady alone. Oh, I'm trying to go through my notes so I seem awesome, but yeah, I actually I really enjoyed the day, the class dynamic happening in this film, also between like the college boy, which I think are like Hooper and Brody, and then the Islanders. Like yeah. there's always this under toe theme of like you don't belong you don't know us and that really resonated for me like growing up in Green Bay and Northeast Wisconsin because we would have the people from Chicago would come Mm -hmm. up and of course they funneled all our economy through their tourism dollars but there was always a uh, under feeling of we don't like you <laughs> but yeah we yeah. need your money right right uh, so that brought me back and also the idea of um like we were talking about earlier how they put their town's economy over the safety of the people mm-hmm. uh, because growing up in Green Bay, uh, there's this sports team there called the Packers. What? I know. You may, you, may, such a team. you may have never heard of them. Uh, <laughs> they can do anything they fucking want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, oh, man. You know, and they are always treated like gods. Uh, I was just looking up an article from the 90s. There was a, a Packer player that was charged with sexual assault of a minor and just reading the article Mark Schmera yeah there you are uh reading the article about that it was just so accusatory of this teenage girl and like looking at Jaws I saw a lot of parallels especially in the first half of like denying that that shark exists yeah you know and any institution whether it be tourism whether it be you know sports right where your entire economy your entire way of life is Mm -hmm. based on a thing and the fact that you can't see the truth, that you can't let the truth, no matter how horrible it is, come mm-hmm. in because your entire way of life crumbles, is what's wrong with our world, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what's wrong with everything? I mean, I lived on the, uh, I'm right on the border of Wisconsin, so I grew up on a farm and I could put one leg in Wisconsin and one leg in Illinois, mm-hmm. right? Right on the border. And the sports rules, no matter what, even in the smallest degree, even high school sports, even though we were crap, right? Mm-hmm. And and all these things would happen all the time, where like the boys would get it, with the sports boys would get away. Oh yeah, with everything. I mean, we we did not have hardly any minorities in my small town, but women were getting their shit kicked out of them every. Nobody could talk about it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Domestic violence, out oh, insane, and nobody could talk about it because it would ruin the system that we have. It's 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 ridiculous. And it it always felt like it placed the blame on you. If you were going to bring it up, you were the one acknowledging there was a problem. God, don't be such a bummer. Yeah, yeah, don't be a bummer. But the thing is, like, that's what gets me, going back to Jaws, it's like there is a predator in your midst, Mm -hmm. a real-life predator. And uh, Hooper constantly says, it's not going to go away. It will never go away. It will keep feeding on you if you keep going in there. End Mm -hmm. of story. So either you change, you get out, or you kill it. But you Mm -hmm. have to acknowledge it. You know what I mean? And I think that's a huge metaphor for, yeah. For especially sexual predators, if we're gonna go there, you mm-hmm. know, huge. I mean, and this is the thing that drives me fucking bonkers. It's in every family. Do you know what I mean? Statistically, it's not like. I mean, it's in my every family has someone who's either abusive, sexually, verbally, mentally, whatever, and it's mm-hmm. mostly women. Or, or um, you know, I don't. Ugh. I'm getting all enraged. Can you see? I don't know if you can't see this is a podcast, but I got the Irish creep. My like neck is turning bright red. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's only the people who are, at least in, in the context of this story, it's only the people who are outsiders or who don't belong or in the Joseph Campbell, the call to action, you know, like mm-hmm. they're the only people that can do something about it, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, is that how growing up, did you feel that way at the time, like that you could see these things or that you felt something was off and that you didn't belong, but you didn't know how to say anything? Oh, definitely. Yeah. My, like, since I turned 13, my plan was I'm leaving this place. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. I don't know where I'm going to go, but I'm gone. Yeah. Uh, but I never really had a lot of thought about, like, changing it because it did feel like nothing will change this place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was get out. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, same deal. I think it was, like, around 13 or 12. You know what it is? It's that puberty, man. Yeah. That puberty really changes a gal. <laughs> You know, puberty is rough and it does open your eyes. I feel like as a, as a gal, also because I was such a, um, I was pretty aggressive, mm-hmm. you know, I was an aggressive gal. Um, it all changed puberty. I remember I wanted to be an astronaut for so long. And then one of my aunts didn't even know she was saying it, 
something like, you can't be an astronaut. Your boobs can't fit in that jumpsuit. Oh. You're like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't realize these things. And that's like a tiny thing. That's not, you know, abuse or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that was one of the things about, about Jaws that really, uh, no, no jumpsuits. I was very upset. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one thing else I noticed about Jaws, uh, just in the makeup of the cast, like no people of color until mm. like that first attack at the beach with all like, then there was like three black people there. And it's like, Oh yeah. Or like the montage where like people were coming in. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, Oh, look at all these people. Oh, a sprinkle of non-white people. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, and then I'll think, I mean, here's the thing about the seventies. I feel like anytime they want to do something like gritty or edgy, mm-hmm. maybe they would like sprinkle, some people, but I feel like it really didn't happen. Yeah. Right? I mean, is that, maybe that's a terrible generalization. Well, I'm trying I'm, to think of movies I grew up with and. No, I mean, there's crap. been a real movement in this country to include people of color in film and also on the production end of things. Mm-hmm. So I think that we seeing only, you know, white people in these roles is a reflection of why people are organizing. Yeah. 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 70s. I guess you have to have, I don't know, a small shift. I don't know. I always want everything to change right away. I know, me too. Yeah. That's my, that's my frustration. Um, Robert Shaw, let's talk about him because you, when, when, the, when the mic was off, mm-hmm. you said that was your, your fave. So why did you love him so much? The uh, Quinn, classic Quinn. Oh, he just reminded me of so many relatives from Wisconsin. Yeah. Like, <laughs> love it. Uh, my uncles actually did run a fishing company out of Door County for a while, oh, yeah? so they had the big boat, and uh, they were, uh, Uncle Dave's particularly loving man, though, isn't entirely like Quint, but there's just, there's something about that sense of, like, grizzled, um, you know, old man who makes you feel like everything's going to be okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, even though he was kind of underhanded and wanted 10 grand to do this, like, you felt like he could get it done, you yeah. know? And you so want to, like, like... authority, kind of? Like, yeah. Like, he, oh, he's been there before. He's got this. Yeah. Yeah, so and, comfort in that. Yeah, and you just want to hear all the stories of the crazy shit he's done. Yeah. You know, like, if I was sitting at that table with him and Brody, I would I'd totally want to know about the scars, too. Yeah. Like, people like that just draw you in because they wear their um, past on their faces, yeah. you know? Like, he looks so gritty and like oh, I just want to know your story yeah yeah there is like whatever that pain is in those kind of characters and those people um it is and that's not even like I don't know if the word charismatic but it does like pull you in like it does want people who have lived and have damage mm-hmm. especially if they have this sort of masculine like hide it don't oh, really yeah. show it. I mean even though it's oozing everywhere right yeah, you do want to keep asking them I totally, like, as a woman, it feels silly, but I'm just, like, you know, I, I'm almost a little bit attracted to that. Like, oh, yeah, you've got a dark past. <laughs> a dark... <laughs> it's so funny, because I'm always like, I don't know, I have the exact, exact I'm interested by it, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's so strange. Like, I always want to, like, shut it. Like, I don't care about you. Isn't that weird? That's smart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, who do you think you, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're a, you're a big man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Because it's terrible because you should just, you know, let them be who they are and listen, you know what I mean? Instead mm-hmm. of, like, putting your own shit on it. But, um, yeah, and this is, he's just such a good actor. He was. I mean, he's such a good actor. I mean, tiny little subtle things. Even when he, you know, he's always almost psychic too, right? Like, it, you know, he's got one with the sea. Uh, that little, it's the first time they hook the beast. Oh, yeah. And everyone else is going about their business like, burr, 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 and he just slowly pulls you know, the mm-hmm. rod on it and it clicks it in, you know, I don't know. There oh yeah. And clicks like, it into like himself, himself. right? I was like, oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. It's like the only, I mean, in the end, if gravity didn't win, right. If he didn't slip down the boat, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think he, I want to believe he'd make it, mm-hmm. you, you know, but I mean, in the greater grand story, I guess he couldn't. He's the old, I always feel like too, maybe I'm putting way too much into it. He was part of like the old hat, right? I mean, he was part of that town, was part of those beliefs. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the new hero, especially of the time, right? If you think about it, like Richard Dreyfuss would never be a lead man today. Are you kidding me? (laughs) And honestly, like a lot of times during the film, I was like, oh, he's annoying. Especially at the that part of your towniness coming yeah. through? Because that was me. I'm like, well, this little rich brat is like, coming in. When he was drunk and he was giggling, I was like, he can't handle his booze. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm, I'm from 
probably like a, yeah, I mean, I'm from like a farming background and it is hard for me to fight that. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, it, it is hard totally comes out. My family's all paper mill. Yeah. And, uh, you know, anytime I hear someone, you know, talk about vacationing in Europe or something, yeah. I'm just like, tune out. <laughs> Don't care. <laughs> you and your overseas. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I have a, I have a, I have a hard time with that. Um, but I don't know. Like, I also don't want to be those town folks. It's really, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a lady without a country. I know. I feel the same way. And, I, like, honestly, now that I'm away from Green Bay, there are certain aspects I miss. And I feel like that's why I could never move to New York or L.A. Like, I love Chicago because we have big city atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But, like, people are still really grounded here. It's still Midwest, yeah. you know. Well, yeah. Well, that's the thing, too, I remember. We just, like, like I feel like even on the bus or, like, the train, it, it all seemed, I was like, is this? Where are the old people? When I was in New York, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. is anybody going to a job? Everyone looks so fancy. <laughs> you know? I'm like, this, am I crazy? What's happening? I mean, maybe uh-huh. just where I was. But yeah, like people who just look like people and they go to work and they like do their shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love that. I do love that. So your plan is to stay in Chicago. No, I, you're not going to move near an ocean. That's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. Da-na, no! Da-na. no. No plans to move to an ocean. Mm-hmm. Smart. <clears throat> yeah. Smart move. Smart move. So you never, you, you watch this specifically for this podcast, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So now you don't have that sort of weird nostalgia. I mean, you have the, the song, mm-hmm. but you don't have that sort of weird connection where you watch it back and you're like, oh gosh, what was I afraid of? No. Um, uh, I, I think the film holds up. It's yeah. still really scary. Um, but yeah, as a child, I never watched it. I just saw snippets of it because my mom was always uh, like, oh, you can't watch it. It's rated R. Yeah. But that, like we were talking earlier, my grandfather owned uh, like a, a movie rental place. So after school, I'd get to sneak scary movies with him and watch yeah. them. Uh, but yeah, never saw Jaws. I think it was just too terrifying because it was so very real. Yeah. Like, especially the water, you know, like, we don't belong there. We'll die there. We don't know what right. is living we in there. We walked out of there for yeah. a reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're never going back. We're never going back. Yeah. It was yeah. too scary to watch. I know. I um, I did. We we were uh, lucky enough to, my, my ex-stepdad, I guess that's what he's called, we stayed up some cash and went on a vacation, a family vacation once, and he took us to, like, whale watching off of, it wasn't Cape Cod, but it was somewhere. It doesn't matter. There was an ocean, right? <laughs> And it was so boring. And I was a teenager and I hated everyone. And I, I just, you know, you, you just like the smell of people and people's voices. You want to punch everyone in the face, right? <laughs> puberty. So, yeah, puberty. It's happening. <laughs> so I was there. So I was on the side. Uh, I was in this like a small boat. Nothing crazy. Whale watching. Uh, on the other side, everybody was over here and I was here. And I looked down and I'm not kidding you. Um, eyeball. Giant eyeball. Oh, God. Yeah. And I was like, and then I kept looking, I didn't look there, I just kept looking out, and then I saw like a whale crest and fall, and everyone was like, ooh, you know what I mean? Everyone's like, this is beautiful, I'm like, are you kidding me? That could kill us. That could kill us in a second. (laughs) We're all goners, and I hate all of you, I hope it does kill you. (laughs) You know? But I mean, I mean, it's just, it's just too, I don't, I don't, I should find beauty in it, Mm. but I, I just... I guess I like pretending that I have control, and in the ocean, I feel like I have none. Even like tiny things, you know, like mm-hmm. a jellyfish. Out, you're out. Oh, yeah. I took microbiology and like little stonefly nymphs. They're flying all up your cooch. Like I don't. Need oh it. God! You don't even need. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Don't take microbiology. <laughs> a horror in itself. <laughs> oh yeah. And then so the end. Um. How do you feel about the end? You know. I kind of felt. It felt, I don't know, honestly, like it was mm-hmm. so anti It wasn't anti-clarity. It was very exciting, but it was so like the fact that the film was so quiet itself and Brody was like running around and trying to line up this gun and it, it felt congratulatory, but also it left a little bit wanting for me, I yeah. guess. It ended like, I mean, yeah, you know it was what I like mean? blow up, done. Done. Yeah. yeah. My fear was always like, there's so much blood in the ocean. So, you swim faster. Did you not remember the story of the shark? Oh my God, you know? that's right. I, I never like, even thought of that. And they make it right at the end. You just see them sort of walk on land or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was rather quick. And I, you know, shamefully, I have never actually read the book. 
I didn't either. Too scared of the movie. To even well, you know, I feel like the ending kind of reinforces <laughs> the theme throughout the movie that like strength and masculinity come through denying your fears and being macho. Mm. So like that ending kind of fits in there. Like, yeah, we lived. We did it. It's done. Yeah. We'll guess... talk about it in 20 years. Yeah. We're drunk. We're not going to talk about it. Yeah. It's just jokes. <laughs> jokes, 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 jokes. Um, mm-hmm. But that's the thing, too. I felt like even at the end where they did, it was sort of like the... The, the more match than any. It was like a chase, right? There was mm-hmm. even like happy music. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. What the hell? Like it was like, I don't even, I can't do it, but it felt like circusy almost. And they were smiling. That was like the time, the first time like I saw anybody smile. Mm-hmm. Like it was almost like a game. And I don't know if it was a comment or not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I was like, why is all of a sudden this fun? Why aren't you shitting your pants? Right yeah, now? no, actually, I had in my notes that the music oftentimes makes things feel a lot more hopeful than they really were. Mm-hmm. And like, I noticed that at multiple points throughout the film. It's mm-hmm. like, what's up with the music? Yeah. <laughs> and then my other question was, and I don't know if I was like inf- inferring and putting a lot of things in here, um, but at the end, when Robert Shaw's character smashes the, the radio, like doesn't want help. Mm-hmm. Kind yeah. Of that now, made me real nervous. Yeah. Like, is that something, I mean, I know for like a story, right? It heightens the stakes and all those like classic story things. But is that something like, I don't know, someone with real post-traumatic stress. I mean, are they, are they, is he supposed to be totally insane? I never knew if he was totally, if he was legit insane. Or if it was that just part of his character that he showed the town. You know, I never quite mm-hmm. knew. I was like, if you're really afraid, like, would you do that? Would you take your only resource out I don't know I don't know that was one thing that I was like what yeah when he did that and I was watching it I thought he was gonna do something you know uh bad to the other characters like Mm -hmm. that definitely struck me as like why would you do that yeah it's very scary and like it it pretty much put them in the situation where they're either gonna win and do this or they're gonna die they're gonna die right yeah and there was that that moment where he kind of realized it right where all the boat I feel I feel like that's what I took from anyway where he just like the camera pans and he's like trying to, I don't know if he's getting a fire extinguisher. I can't remember what he's doing. But there's this moment of like, I've made a huge mistake mm-hmm. on his mm-hmm. face, you know? And I'm like, okay, then he isn't totally insane. And I wasn't, I, I never understood why. That's all. I just wonder yeah. if you had an idea. I guess, Help me. And maybe it could be the idea that like he's decided this is his last hurrah mm. and he's going to go out as a warrior. Right. No matter what. Yeah, without, I would see too like, that's the thing I have with like that warrior mentality. That's why I love like the new Mad Max, right? It's mm-hmm. like you don't survive alone. Mm-hmm. You don't. Exactly. You cannot make it. You need the community. You need an us. Like you need a we. So to put your other fellow comrades or whatever in danger is like a real dick move, man. It is. You know? So I didn't like that. Or I don't know if I didn't like it. I just thought it, I guess it fit his character. But. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It felt it felt detrimental to everyone else, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of comrades, Fidel Castro loved this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a rare tidbit I picked up while researching. Nice connect. Nice yeah. connect. Well, I thought like uh, you know maybe he saw the symbolism of the U.S. as the shark, and like, mm. I could just imagine him rooting like get it. Yeah. Uh, but then I was like, maybe he just really liked sharks. Maybe he just you know, sharks. Yeah. <laughs> We'll never know. We'll never get to know. Yeah. Oh, was there... Okay, so uh, was there any moment in this film where you thought, like, oh, I would have done that differently, or why did they do... I guess the radio, Yeah, the radio was one, for sure. Yeah. Um, You know, I... I think what happened was, like, I was... Because I was really watching, again, like, for this podcast, thinking of, like, feminist perspective, and I was just really bothered by the fact that a lot of our our cinematic heroes are so selfish, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're really focusing. And, like, maybe that's the point... Of of a lone rogue hero, but even in war, right, which is very masculine, mm-hmm. you're part of a greater unit. You're part of a team. Um, so that drove me bonkers a little mm-hmm. bit. And um, I would not have I would not have done well as Brody. I would have yelled and screamed and uh, told all those town people to go fuck themselves. <laughs> like I would not have. I am not. This is why I'm not like a, a great. Um, uh, I don't want to say the word leader, but like, I don't have a patience hat to be uh, a cop or in the, any any service, you know, mm-hmm. any service industry, uh, even as far as like public service goes, because I'm like you're an idiot, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and that's not how you listen, you know what I mean? That's not, 
uh, that's not how that works. So I would have been, I would have been a bad, I would have been a bad Brody. I probably would have been more of a hooper. I like, <laughs> he's like, you guys are all idiots and you don't believe me. I'm out. Like you're wasting yeah. my time. You're mm-hmm. wasting my time. And if you all want to die, fine. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going back to the Institute. I'm going back to the Institute. Um, oops. How about you? What, was there any moments where you were like, oh no, don't yeah. do that. I mean, it was definitely like every time the music started and people were splashing in the water. Oh, yeah. I was like, get out! Get out! Oh yeah, don't swim in the ocean. Yeah. For sure. For sure. That, I mean, that's solid advice. I think. Well, you know what's so cruel too? I was watching the preview for the original release and they said, uh, Jaws, see it before you go swimming. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> Why would you do that to me? <laughs> Thanks for ruining beaches I forever. Know, forever. Oops, sorry, I keep hitting this microphone. But definitely the radio scene. Uh, we have a new friend coming to the podcast. My cat, Lionel, is obsessed Hi. with Kelsey. It's my poof hair. It is. And it's very greasy. Oh, oh, oh now he's shy, running oh, away. Oh, he thought he was going to get in a bedroom. Lionel, <laughs> just stay out of the ocean. That's all you need to learn. Yeah, definitely the radio scene though is kind of like, oh, this man is insane. Mm-hmm. They're they're all gonna die. Yeah, they're all they're all going mm-hmm. going. Uh, and if I I mean I know the the wife it's not the actress's fault. I'm not trying to like the wife. Mm-hmm. Um, because even in the um in the iTunes, I mean she's listed as a pretty high, right? Lorraine Gr- Gary is that her name? I don't yeah. even know. I mean she's listed up there. It's like she's not like she doesn't get cred. See ya. <laughs> Yeah, well, she is, like, the only female in the movie, I think, that really has a name, even, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I know, I keep calling her wife. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot her name, too. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no. Captain. The captain's wife. Captain. Um, and then here's the thing. I, again, this is all, I, I never read the book, but I don't think Hooper makes it in the book. I think he gets eaten in that case, Oh, you right? are correct. Yeah? He was going to die... Uh, he died in the book, and he was going to die in the movie, but Spielberg watched some footage of a real great white attacking the cage and really liked it and decided in that moment that Hooper should be able to escape through the cage. Yeah. And he lives. He lives. Huzzah. Yay. Yeah, the other thing that I think I remember, again, not doing very good research here, that a lot of folks were very upset because it, may, it put sharks in a bad light. Like a lot of act, like scientists were like, this is crap. Yeah. You shouldn't be afraid of sharks in this way. They're just, you know, a part of nature, and they don't really even care about humans and blarty blar. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still, I still don't believe that. No, I don't believe that either. I think that's shark propaganda. <laughs> that's the shark machine trying to get us to not pay attention. Um. All right, good. I'm glad. I'm glad we're on the side of right. Yes. But no, I think, you know, there was some, there was like an increase of people hunting sharks after that, you know, mm-hmm. because that's realistic. That's a, that movie scared the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. But Which it, also happens in the movie. You know, that's one of the things I love about these kind of movies. And kind of those 70s, like the thing and all that. Mm-hmm. Just a bunch of humans constantly making mistakes. Yeah. Constantly. Just constantly, constantly, constantly doing the wrong things. Agreed. And like, you saw that vigilante uh, movement come out when people were trying to chase the shark. Everybody had a team. Mm-hmm. Everybody had a boat. No one is doing the right thing. Right. You know, everyone, blow, almost blowing each other off. Yeah, endangering yeah. themselves. And you see that a lot when a community is faced with a safety issue. Like, mm-hmm. everybody wants to do something. No one wants to feel helpless. But, you know, not everyone is an expert. Right. And I could make a great analogy here of uh, the Chicago comedy yeah. scene. And, you know, we unfortunately had a a few cases of female comics being drugged, which was entirely terrifying. And Kelsey Huff, who I'm speaking with, put together uh, a meeting for all of us to come and ask questions of experts, you know, lawyers, sexual assault counselors, police, uh, and did it in a very thoughtful, uh, informative way that really made a lot of people feel at ease. So thank you for putting that meeting together. Well, I saw Jaws. Yeah. all your fault you take the credit no but I honestly think it is because I have I'm I'm always torn right like my my reactionary gut and I don't follow it because I know it's incorrect is Batman man is like mm-hmm. is the idiot right mm-hmm. is that you don't know what to do so you just attack and I don't want to ever have a pitchfork you know what I mean yeah. I never want to storm the castle because I feel like that's that that is that what happens when you or you're not educated you just react Mm -hmm. And so I need a community around me to put me in check. You know, like I need to be reminded that Batman is stupid. (laughs) You know, like it doesn't work. Like if you're going to use the system, you have to use the system. You can't go out and get nuts, you know, Mm -hmm. and and 
So I did it honestly because I was feeling, and you know, there was all the Facebook stuff. You could feel everyone's frustration and rightly so, you know, you could feel everyone grasping for straws. And what happens is what happens with all humanity. You start turning in on each other or Mm -hmm. in on yourself, either taking the blame or pointing the finger or just losing your goddamn mind. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important for us, especially as women, we we have this idea that we don't work well together. And that's fucking bullshit. Yeah, it is. It's always been bullshit. It has never been correct. Like, oh, we're fighting each other. And like, but look at your own relationships. Like, most people who are women work well with other women some of the time. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's only a few, a very, very small percentage of people I know that are like, I hate women. And you're like, well. And they're usually terrible people. Yeah. I'm like, well. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I feel like it is important for us to remember, but it is scary as shit mm-hmm. to believe that someone is out there doing this specifically to this community. I mean, it's terrible all around. Do not get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But focusing in on women who are trying to stand up and have a voice mm-hmm. and drugging them. Yeah. It makes me want to... If I can, yeah, mm-hmm. get a community together yeah. instead of stab someone in the face, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because that's not right. I don't need to get arrested. Um, mm-hmm. And how do you feel about like, I, I mean, let's say this continues, right? I mean, we've 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 t- we've listened to experts. We've had this meeting. I mean, my fear is that it's going to continue because, like, we learned it's like a collective evidence that has to happen mm-hmm. for for you know legal folks to get involved I'm trying to be like as general as possible Mm -hmm. here um but my fear is like what happens when months and months go by this continues to happen I'm afraid what the community will do yeah you know and and that's what's problematic about our system of justice is like the burden of proof falls on the victim like we have to prove everything we have to put everything together we have to let these horrible things accumulate so that we can turn around and prove that it happened Mm -hmm. which is problematic in itself yeah Uh, that's why that meeting was so impressive just to see so many like comics come together Mm -hmm. and like within our scene seeing so many articulate professional women you know like ready to help and you know provide their professional services Mm -hmm. to let people know what to do how to document incidences uh it it really made me feel like at calm you know good that's that's great because i do think they're the power in numbers and also there's so many resources like you said in our community which i don't think Mm -hmm. we know exactly people are going out to open mics or shows you don't talk about this other skill that you have yeah you know and oh no totally like you see people and you're like well i know that she's got jokes about issues with her stepdad and being broke like oh she's a lawyer like yeah exactly (laughs) and like you like you you have i don't know can we talk about your personal thing i mean like oh yeah i mean you have significant skills with union and organizing and that mm-hmm. is huge you know what I mean I feel like mm-hmm. that's the power that women in comedy have we're not just comedians mm-hmm. you know many of us have other skill sets and I think when we tap into that uh, and when we work together I do think that it's going to be I mean unstoppable you know but we just have to get in that room mm-hmm. and, and figure that all out and I'm someone who needs to be reminded of that like I have not and I'm not trying to say that our system does need work I mean, I came from a, a, a family of insane, you know, domestic violence up the wazoo. And we tried to get restraining orders against my dad. The cops would not do a thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I have mistrust, but I think you have to trust. You have to. There's, th- that's the way to go, you mm-hmm. know? And so I, I know that there are a lot of women who who mis- mistrust the system for mm-hmm. reasons of their very own personal reasons. Um, and that that's what makes me a little frustrated as well. But I do think the community is, is powerful and and that you can talk about this with other people. Agreed. You know, that, that no matter what your experience is, that you know that you're being listened to, you know that people are, are there to support and take steps, whatever steps you need. So Yeah, definitely. And yeah. like that system, it is hard to work, but you can find footholds in it mm-hmm. to get your footing. And we had a case, we were organizing a, a supermercado, a little Spanish grocery store, yeah. and one of the women was receiving death threats. And we were trying to get the police involved and like I had to call three or four different cops, just telling them the story, getting someone to care. Uh, but then when you do, like then you found your person that you can work with. But it's mm-hmm. frustrating to have to go through that so many times. Yeah. And like I see myself as an advocate that has the strength to do that. But like if that was me getting the death threats, I don't know if I could go through that. Like trying right. to have to prove it to the police. Right. Right. 
but I feel like advocate is a great word for that specific thing, right? You mm-hmm. need someone who's removed enough, but has the compassion, the empathy, the drive to do it for you. And I feel like those are the people that are rare, mm-hmm. you know, like who can actually pick up the phone and be like, I want your badge number. I want this. Like, yeah. give me your superior. You know what I mean? Like that, that is huge. And so I'm glad that you exist in the world. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being alive. Hey, I try. Don't go in the ocean so you stay alive forever. <laughs> yes. Ah, well, this has been great. Any final thoughts on Jaws? Oh, you know, my Aunt Tony made me watch it. I'm coming for you, Aunt Tony, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I'm glad. It actually is a really good, uh, it is a good story, I think, mm-hmm. you know, which I don't know if I really tapped into when I was a six-year-old kid. Um it stands up. I won't ever watch it again because <laughs> it does scare me. And I think I'm like one of those people who likes to get over my fears. But the ocean, still up there, man. Yeah. Still up there. And I think maybe it's because we're landlocked and we grew up in the Midwest maybe. that it's even scarier. That's but... true. Like I don't have, yeah, it's not like in my, bl- my, my blood, my bones. <laughs> we're not fishermen. I'm not fishermen. You know, I can <laughs> hang out with a cow. No problem. <laughs> Are you kidding me? They're the best listeners. They are really oh, sweet. They the guys. They yeah. guys. Like, mm-hmm. They're like a... Smellier Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> Although maybe she's smelly. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, so what projects you got coming up? Oh, yeah. So so the Kates are doing a bunch of stuff in 2016. Um, we're doing the uh, Filet of Solo, which is a storytelling festival that the Lifeline Theater does every year. So we're doing that in January. And then we, of course, have like the regular bookseller shows. And what I'm doing this year is I'm there's a lot of women who've approached me that want to learn more about producing and hosting. So mm. I'm opening up the hosting doors. So that's going to shift a little bit. I'm trying to get like a cast and like trying to let go of some control. Oh, yeah. Some control issues. <laughs> I, I feel yeah. you on that. <laughs> um, yeah. So and that's the thing. Like there's so many women through Femcom, which is that class I teach, and the Kates. There are just so many women who, who want more exposure, want more experience. So mm-hmm. I if I let go, there are lots of gals out there that will That'll step up and be awesome. Yeah. Um, and then the Laugh Factory shows. So mostly the Kate stuff is what's mm-hmm. happening in, in the new year. Um, yeah. And kates.org. That's where you can go. Check it out. Yeah. Check out Kelsey Huff. She is a great Chicago comedian. It was re- recently featured in a Staples commercial. <laughs> oh, no. Not Staples. It was a uh, Ziploc. I was like, I did not get a check for Staples. Yeah. <laughs> We're booking you all over. I'm booking you for everything. All right. agent. <laughs> It's a great commercial, uh, great comedy. Make sure you check out Kelsey Huff. And I've been Kristen Ryan. This has been Bloody Mary. Have a good night.